everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, as usual, Jeff. Joining me from the remote studios up in the Pacific Northwest, it is my co-host, as usual, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, uh, how are you doing this week? You know, I thought about singing as I was introduced because I've never sang myself onto the show before. And then I thought, no, that's kind of stupid. So I just want to say hi, everybody. We're excited to do another Two Strike Noise for you. And Mark is actually a good singer. Shocking that he can sing. But yes, he's a good singer. Uh, maybe maybe we'll do like that far, maybe. Well, we're going to we're going to we got to talk a little bit of music here uh, it, it, during BP. So maybe you can sing along. Let's yeah. get right into it. So usually what we do is we do tales from the dugout. We usually do one every like maybe four or five weeks just to kind of give us a break. They're a little bit easier. And we just did one a couple of weeks ago, but we're going to ha- we're going to do another one this week <laughs> simply because of real life. If you don't know, baseball season starts up this week. Uh, Major League Baseball starts up this week. So it, it's a super busy time for Mark and I, and uh, we just kind of ran out of time. So uh, we're yep. going to we're going to hit up some uh, some smaller stories again today. Uh, another an extra episode of Tales from the Dugout. But before we get into that, Mark, I love watching BP when I'm at a you know stadium. So why don't we take a little BP first? Absolutely. So last week, we during um, during Wax Packs Heroes, a certain song came up. Uh, the uh, it, it was a song that you are very familiar with, and I was not. But before we do that, we we did say that we were going to circle back to that this week, and so I think we're going to install a new segment of the show where we do indeed circle back. circle back if there's more I can share with you, but I'll circle back if there's more to convey. Um, I'll have to just circle back with you. We can circle back. I'm happy to circle back. I can circle back. I will have to circle back on that one, but I'll have to circle back. Oh, look at back. that. We've got a, a pre-made theme that was not made for us, but... No, but we can circle back with the best of them. I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah, so first of all, let's just go ahead and, and let everybody know. That was from Barry Mode. He's a, he's a YouTube creator, and that is... Uh, that was uh, in regards to the new uh, press secretary in Washington. She likes to say, I'll circle back. We've got a, a semi-official theme song until we get a you know, cease and desist <laughs> order for that. But let us do actually circle back because I don't even remember which card it was last week during Wax Packs Heroes. But uh, something about Jeff Moore. I would think it was Tim Burke's card, wasn't it? Was Tim I, Burke. I, uh, I'll take your word for and it. And it said he was in the video home run. Uh, by the band Jeff Moore in the Distance. And you're familiar with said band? V- uh, yes, very familiar. From like, I don't know, 20 plus years ago. Stuff I used to listen to. It's uh, kind of a cool, upbeat baseball song. And it was something we were able to play in the minor leagues when someone hit a home run. I got news for you right here. Gotta keep your eye on the ball. Swing straight and true and follow through. Don't be afraid. So if that circle back song didn't get us uh, 
DMCA warning. This one probably will, but you know, the things we do for our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we'll, we'll pay the fines and then just uh, go on by. Yeah, We're not I'm, pass I'm on the savings to you. Yeah, I'm sure, <laughs> sure it'll be cheap. Uh, <laughs> I'll I'll throw a I'll throw a link in the show notes, both to the Circle Back song and to that, if you want to check those out on YouTube. Yeah, I, you know, got me thinking about baseball songs. I think we did baseball music like way back. This is show one ten. Yeah, we did a little bit on it. Yeah, yeah, and, and that yeah. was way back. I had never heard. I thought I'd heard most baseball songs before, but I'd never heard this one before. So. I will say this, I would much rather listen to that than Center Field because I've heard Center Field so many freaking times in my life. I'm I'm over it. Plus, anyone can hit a home run. Not everyone can play Center Field. Okay, so we're just being inclusive. Definitely one's harder than the other. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I, I've not heard that before, and we wanted to make sure. We told you we were going to circle back, and we did. So there you go. I saw a very interesting interview with Joey Gallo on MLB Network last week. Joey Gallo, first of all, do you have any idea who he took to prom in high school? Um, you Gold don't. Meyer. You, 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 you said, I'm just going to answer. You don't know who he took. He took Greg Maddox's daughter. What? <laughs> wow. Yeah, so I guess her name was Paige, Paige Maddox. Interesting interview. He said that uh, he had actually had a ball game earlier that day. He came to pick her up. You know, of course, they're never you know, the women are never ready on time. So he had to spend those awkward like 20 minutes making small talk with the with the father of the girl he's taking to prom, who happened to be Greg Maddox. So Joey had pitched in that game earlier that day. I didn't know that Joey had ever pitched. Not that I know a whole lot about Joey Gallo, but uh, he threw a no hitter earlier in the day. Wow. I mean, people like to say, oh, baseball players aren't athletes. Okay, that's ridiculous, first of all. So he pitches, he pitches a no hitter. We now know, I mean, he crushes balls. He hits home runs probably the furthest of anybody in the big leagues right now. And he was a gold glove outfielder for the first time last season. So wow. he doesn't hit for average, but I think we've priv- I think we've proven, you know, that average is certainly not the end all be all. He kind of does everything, but it is funny because he made a joke. He said, yeah, I, I, I didn't want to tell Greg, but, you know, I really had no interest in pitching. <laughs> I didn't want to be drafted <laughs> as a pitcher. And I think it probably turned out for the best that he wasn't. Probably so. Yeah, that's funny. All right. So this show is debuting on March 30th which is uh, just a day or two before opening day, believe it or not. But uh, there are a couple of debuts that happened on March 30th. Nobody of real significance, I would say. I mean, I'm sure to their loved ones it's significant. Uh, 2018, Joey Lucchese made his debut. Now, I just remember because his name is really cool, and I think it's a brand of cowboy boots as well. And I just know that from my time in Texas. Lucchese? Lucchese. No, yeah. that's the soap opera lady that loses every year. Oh, yes. Susan Lucchese. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, now, Joey is, he came up with the Padres. He's on the Mets this year. He was traded, I believe, in the offseason. But he grew up an A's fan. So I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the Joey Lucchese train. He knows what's going on. Next, Nick Margavicus. Margavicus. Okay, so yeah. in 2019, Nick Margavicus came up and I am not, I'm never going to say that name again. 
I don't know much about Nick, but he's on the Mariners now and he has a, a unique last name. Like I said, there's not a whole lot of debuts this week. Well, but. It, it looks like it's Marjavicious. Yeah, that's, that's not how it's pronounced. Uh, and I like Marjavicious. That's an easy one to say. Maybe in a couple of years, that'll be a big thing that he debuted today. But Yeah, that's right. All right. Another thing, another anniversary more, and this is right up our alley. In 1993, this happened. After 43 years, Charlie Brown finally hit a home run. No, not, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, and not only was it just a home run, it was a walk-off home run against his nemesis, who I did not know that he had a nemesis on the diamond, Roy Ann Hobbs, which is suspiciously like Roy Hobbs, but of the feminine gender. Ann Hobbs. Yeah, I've never heard of Roy Ann Hobbs. I didn't, didn't know that. Now, this is an interesting stat. Almost, so Charles Schultz created over 18,000 comic strips of peanuts over his career. Almost 10% of them focused on baseball. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, I, I like, yes. I like Charlie Brown. Yeah. I didn't realize there was that many though about baseball. I knew Charles Schultz was a fan, but that's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So let us get into our trivia question. We had a lot of responses. I got to pick up my game. Because apparently this this trivia question from last week was not that difficult. <laughs> but in okay. case you forgot what it was, here's the question. Who was the oldest player to debut that went on to become a member of the Hall of Fame? And remember, we are not including time spent in the Negro Leagues, which of course is considered a major league now. But we are talking people that debuted in major league baseball who did that at the oldest age now mark did you have any any guesses uh i was just gonna guess it was anyone but joe nooks hall yeah so <laughs> joe nooks hall pretty sure i'm right yeah <laughs> yeah i think well he was the 18 year old that we've i think we've talked about 15 I, 15 wow i 15 year old pitcher yeah. yeah so it's not him boom got that right definitely definitely not him now we got a lot of responses through social media here telling us the correct answer, which is very good. So for our, our, our buddy Chris and his father, of course, got it. Um, I think it, there was another spreadsheet involved, and they only gave me one answer, and it was correct. Uh, we've got uh, Marshall. Our, our buddy Marshall got it right. Let's see. We had a couple of other people. Uh, Glenn, one of our, our longtime listeners, uh, got it right as well. And I'm missing somebody, and I apologize. We'll circle back on that. But we got quite a few, and, and everybody got it right on the first shot. The answer is knuckleballer Hoyt Wilhelm, who Interesting. debuted at 29 years old, 267 days. 29 years, 267 days. He made his debut in Major League Baseball. Of course, if we included one or two, we could have, we could have said Satchel Page, But... Uh, sure. Where the answer was was Hoyt Wilhelm. He debuted in 1952 with the New York Giants. Now get this. In his rookie season, he appeared in 71 games to lead the league. He had an ERA of 2.43 to win the ERA total in his rookie year. And he went 15-3. and three. My goodness. He did not start a single game. This was all in relief. <laughs> Wow. He came in second in the Rookie of the Year balloting and fourth in the MVP as a rookie. 
So just incredible. Wow. In in his career, 21 years he pitched. He did not retire until 1972 at the age of 49. He ended up with a record of 143 and 122, an ERA of 2.52, which a, a lifetime ERA plus of 147, which is very impressive. He only started 52 games in his career, and he appeared in 1,070. Wow. But, uh, that's, what, uh, that's what being a knuckleballer can do. If you're a lefty knuckleballer, then you can pitch forever. But he was a righty. Yeah, it's literally in Major League Baseball's uh, by rules that if you're a left-handed knuckleballer, you get to pitch forever. Nickname Old Sarge. I think he was, they probably <laughs> gave him that when he was a rookie because he was 29. <laughs> but yeah, there you go. Uh, answer was Hoyt Wilhelm. Thank you, everybody, for, uh, for your responses. A lot of, uh, I mean, we already knew our listeners were smart. Reaffirming that. Now, this next trivia question for next week, I thought about it, and there's probably a pretty easy way you could figure this out if you subscribe to StatHead. But I'm going to ask that you don't use StatHead if you, if you do subscribe to it. The question for next week is, who has the most seasons where they hit exactly one home run? Hmm. One single home run. Most single home run seasons. Mm-hmm. All right, so if you can figure out the answer, let us know. Give us a shout out on uh, social media at Two Strike Noise, at TWO Strike Noise. Twitter is the best place to, to do it. I do check Instagram. I've been trying to check Instagram more. Uh, but uh, yeah, so th- there you go. Most uh, seasons with exactly one home run. You know, I got I got a beat on a guy who, who this might be. Oh, really? Well, who, who do you think it is? Because I've never heard of this gentleman. Well, uh, just judging from my childhood and watching baseball in Seattle and uh, knowing this guy for being who he was, I'm, I, I uh, am very impressed by the power of Spike Owen. <laughs> Mariners captain. The only one in Mariners history, Spike oh, Owen. Owen. That's right. Yeah, but I, I have just told you that I had never heard of this guy, and obviously I know who Spike right. Owen but that's is. that's still my guess out of principle. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, to any of our listeners, don't send me Spike Owen because that is not correct. <laughs> If maybe if we all vote on it, they'll change to be Spike Owen. If you say something enough times, it'll become true. All right. I think. We'll get Kevin Martinez on the horn and, and see if we can enter that into the Mariners <laughs> Mariners record books. Uh, all right. So let's uh, let's let the ground crew come out and do their stuff. And uh, let's get into uh, our Tales from the Dugout, our special opening day edition. Let's uh, jump right into our first story. I'm going to have you go first, and uh, we'll kind of play it by ear how many of these we can fit in. I'm going to tell you a little something about a guy named Johnny Vandermeer. Now, you know who Johnny Vandermeer is, right? I, I, I do. I know what, why people should know who he is and that he holds a record that will more than likely never be equaled, let alone eclipsed in Major League Baseball. That's right. Johnny Vandermeer threw back-to-back no-hitters in uh, 1938. So, um, yeah, tough to do. Uh, I've never come close. Um, No one else besides Johnny has ever come close. That's actually not true. There have been a couple times where pitchers have gone uh, fairly well into a uh, game after they throw in a no-hitter, but none of of them have successfully finished. I wonder what Joey Gallo did in his next game in high school after he threw the no-hitter. Let's see. June 11th at Crosley Field in Cincinnati. Vandermeer was a red. Uh, He walked three, struck out four, and allowed no hits against the Boston Bees. Then the next time he was a little less uh, as powerful, he walked eight and struck out seven. Um, And it was actually the very first night game at Ebbets Field. 
he uh, had a little help from some great defense uh, by his teammates. And he almost ended the uh, streak himself when he walked the bases full in the ninth to face Leo DeRocher. And he got him to pop out. So he gets DeRocher to end the thing. He's got his, his two, his back-to-back, no hitters. He's kind of the celebrity of the day. You know, everybody wants a picture with or an autograph of Johnny Vandermeer. He went on to have a, a decent career as a four-time All-Star. Um, he only had a record of 119 and 121. And, but he'll always be remembered, of course, for the back-to-back no-hitters. Well, I found out a little something interesting about Mr. Vandermeer is that he did not like leaving baseball very much. And, you know, he stuck around for as long as he could, but we all get old. And uh, he decided he was going to make a comeback. In ni- 1952, he signed with the Tulsa baseball team in the minor leagues. And in his first appearance against the Chattanooga Lookouts, he uh, uh, pitched the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings and only gave up an infield hit. So he, he made the team, and he was pitching for Tulsa. And July 15th game in Beaumont, it was kind of a typical Vandermeer outing. He uh, loaded the bases in the third and then got out via a force out. Tulsa uh, scored five runs, and Johnny had a 7-0 to zero cushion. He walked a guy in the bottom of the fourth, but nobody else reached base. Tulsa added four more runs in the sixth, and they were up 11 to nothing. And a few fans that was there started to realize what was going on with Mr. Vandermeer's pitching efforts. He was throwing no runs, no hits. So Tulsa did not score in their half of the ninth inning. And so here, here we go. We got uh, Johnny Vandermeer heading out to the mound uh, to get the last three outs and try and get that elusive third career no-hitter. Of course, he walked the, uh, the first hitter um, on a 3-1 pitch. And Marshall uh, Carlson, Beaumont center fielder, ran the count to two and two. And then he caught enough of the left pitch, next pitch, hit it out to short right field. And the damp air and benign baseball gods left the, <laughs> left the ball in the park and guided it into the glove of Tulsa's Francis Brown for the third out. And Johnny Vandermeer had thrown his third no-hitter 14 years after his first two. And how old was he? 106? 147 years old. Oh, wow, even older. Yeah. Okay. Second oldest no-hitter so, in all, of all time. Yeah. So uh, it was a minor league no-hitter, but alas, his third. So I thought that was pretty cool. Nobody ever told me that Vandermeer threw a minor league no-hitter. No, I did not know. And, and no, yeah. seriously, though, how old was he again? Tulsa, he was, thir- oh, he was 37. Okay. That's up there. So he's 37 years old throwing this no-hitter. That's impressive. So I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at the game logs from 1938, specifically around when he threw the, the back-to-back no-hitters, which was in June. And boy, did he have a month. He started one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games that month. He won all seven games, went seven and oh. He threw nine innings in all but one, in which he went seven and two thirds. He gave up 11 hits in that game. But beyond that, he gave up only 18 hits the rest of the month. So the game before his first no-hitter, he gave up three hits. Then he threw two no-hitters back-to-back, and the game afterwards gave up four hits in a complete game victory. So over 36 innings, he gave up seven hits in a span yeah, how, of it, how it ended up was uh, he set the record for hitless innings with 21 and two thirds. Yeah, that is just incredible. <laughs> pretty impressive. Um, 
it was that was as you said he was having a great month that was actually a part of a nine consecutive win streak that's that's incredible so, man yeah so I, I thought that was pretty fun no, that's interesting. I didn't know that. So uh, along with Dizzy Dean, Warren Spahn, Randy Johnson, Tim Lincecum, and Max Scherzer, Vandermeer is one of only six pitchers in the National League to lead the league in strikeouts for three straight seasons. So he was wild, but he could he could strike yes. out a lot of guys, too. And uh, upon retiring from baseball, he worked for a brewing company. He stayed in the game somewhat, you know? Uh, no. Uh, by the way, uh, today's show is being brought to you by Evan Williams Honey. Uh, very smooth whiskey. If you want to sipping whiskey, yeah, it's uh, we're not sponsored by them, but uh, I'm enjoying one right now, and we're always open to a sponsor. <laughs> Come on, sponsors! We'll, we'll, we'll talk really proudly and happy about your whatever your product is. Yeah, we save, only have save, save me a lot of money. I buy a lot of a lot of this stuff. <laughs> um, all right, well, uh, let's let's stick in the pitching realm, shall we? And I'm going to do a story. I got something to talk about that that starts off with your favorite player of all time. So, you know, well, if you if you feel a little bit shame that you didn't come up with this, I'm I, I'm sorry. But uh, let's talk about Spike Owen. He's your favorite player, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Wait, no, I, Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan. Oh, him too. He's good. Yeah, 1968. Nolan Ryan. He's 21 years old. Right. It's the second year in the big leagues, I, I believe. I'm not sure. I think that was the second year. And uh, Nolan Ryan, and I believe he did this through most of his career, was uh, a, a strong believer that soaking his fingers in pickle brine would help toughen up his skin so he didn't develop blisters. Now, obviously, I mean, I think blisters are really becoming a thing again. Blisters and, and, and fingernails right now seem to seem to be popping up a lot. Like I remember Rich Hill. I'll mention him later in this story, but Rich Hill, I don't think he's on the Dodgers anymore. I think he's somewhere else. But, uh, you know, he he was sidelined. And when he was with the A's, too, he had a lot of blister problems. But uh, Nolan would actually soak his fingers in between innings in, in pickle brine. Can't really argue with the results either from Nolan Ryan. He, <laughs> That's he a did good okay. point. Yeah. He did okay. What are you going to tell him? It ain't helping? Yeah. So uh, one time, though, in 1968, the young pitcher ran out of pickle brine. He, uh, he had started the season averaging more than one strikeout per inning, but then he ran out of pickle juice. And uh, while he had no pickle juice, he went one and five. Now, first of all, how hard is it to find pickle juice? Just go to the store, right? And just... <laughs> it's usually there with the pickles. Yeah, either eat the pickles or just, you know, dump the pickles out or, or whatever and just stick your finger in the, in the Vlasic jar or whatever. Uh, Vlasic, if you want to sponsor, again, we're, we're open to it. I, I like... I like, uh, what is it, bread <laughs> and butter pickle pickles? Fan. Those are those are good. Yeah, those are good. Uh, after he ran out, though, he went one and five. Now, this is a quote from Nolan. He said, people were sending us, I, I should do this in like a Texas accent, you know, in that drawl. <laughs> yes, but I I'm not going to subject people to that. He said, quote, people <laughs> were sending us barrels of the stuff, but we had to refuse it because it smells really bad when it goes stale. Obviously, he found some more at some point. Yankees pitcher Garrett Cole subscribes to the pickle juice theory. He said, quote, it really just sucks your skin dry and makes it hard, end quote. So Garrett Cole, this is still going on today. Garrett Cole still uses that pickle juice. We've hinted at other methods that players have used to try to not blister, you know, get blisters on their hands. Probably most famously is Moses Alou, uh, which right. we've uh, we've talked about his 
It's it's not you know, unsanitary. Five, Moises Alou, how's yeah. that? Well, I've got a great quote here from somebody here in a minute, but you, you, it's not unsanitary. It's actually very sanitary. It's just kind of gross. Uh, to uh, I'm just going to say it one time in case some of our listeners don't know. Uh, Moises Salou and, and some of these other guys I'm going to talk about, they, they've urinated on their hands. That's what they think helps them. So Moises was not a pitcher, of course, but he famously did not wear batting gloves. So he used nature's pickle juice to toughen up his hands so that he didn't get blisters holding onto the bat. Another player who famously didn't wear batting gloves was Jorge Posada, Yankees catcher. And this was his quote. He says, quote, you don't want to shake my hand during spring training. End quote. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously Jorge took this pretty seriously. <laughs> and I'm just wondering if it's every time they do it or if it's specific times or or what. And then do you wash your hands immediately or do you have to leave it on there so that I'm I'm assuming you have to leave it on there, right? I would think you're soaking in it. Oh, so you you're your hand in the jar. Oh, that takes it to a whole different level. I was just thinking you. <laughs> okay, well, let's move on. Uh, well, reading up on this, I found current players that follow the Alu way. Walker Bueller of the Dodgers is uh, is known to do this. Also, as I mentioned earlier, Rick, uh, Rich Hill is a fan of this method, too. Although I don't think it works for him because he still has a lot of blisters. <laughs> yes. Uh, former reliever Julian Tavares, we've, I think we've talked about Julian. Julian hit me with a pitch when he was warming up before Gates in Atlanta one time. And Julian Tavares, I always remember because he always looks like he's about to cry when he's sitting in the dugout. <laughs> he was, but he was around forever, man. Uh, but he uses uh, his own lubricant as well. Reporters used to see Julian duck behind the wall to soak his hands between innings. So I guess that... <laughs> That probably lines up with your theory that they've put some in a jar or something, but it's still disgusting. I yeah, I don't know that I want to catch a foul ball now out of play. You know, if, if a pitcher has done this. Well, I think sometimes the bat knocks all the pickle juice off the ball. Oh, I don't think it's pickle. You it's know. not pickle juice I'm worried about. It's oh, that's other, a good point. Well, it's the other I'm stuff. just generalizing, okay? The quote-unquote pickle juice. There you go. <laughs> Nature's pickle juice, we're going to call it. So, uh, of course, knuckleballers are not so much worried about blisters as they are their fingernails, which they use to grip the ball to avoid putting spin you know, when, they, when they throw it so that it, it dances around. One of the greatest ejections, of course, of a pitcher was Joe Necro in 1987 when he was with the Twins. And he was asked to empty his pockets by the umpires in a game against the Angels. Uh, Joe, of course, uh, remembered he had uh, an emery board in his back pocket. And he tried to nonchalantly launch it uh, (laughs) with an emphatic hand gesture. But it was pretty obvious, and he was busted. Now, to me, clearly, he was not using this emery board while he was on the mound. But it's still illegal to have. But he claims, and and again, I believe him, that he was manicuring his nails between innings. Uh, There was no, because there's no way he could pull that out and scuff a ball or something during an inning with an emery board. Some pitchers will have a little bit of sandpaper super glued in their glove somewhere where they can, you know, rub a ball against it and scuff it up. But you can't take a whole freaking emery board out there and just be like 
you know, rubbing it against the ball. It'd be pretty obvious. <laughs> he can't be out there filing away at it, standing no. on the mound. I mean, clearly, I, I believe him in this case, but you cannot sure. have it on your person out there on the mound. So he was going right. to get ejected, but it's just good comedy seeing that thing. <laughs> and I forget who the umpire was, but he, he had his hand on his chin, and this yeah, emery, bar, emery board goes past him, and you can see him just kind of watch it as it goes. <laughs> the corner of his eye goes, what? And he watches it. <laughs> I think your buddy Brian Harper was the catcher standing out there when that happened. That's funny. We'll have to ask him about it if he ever comes on the show. Yeah. So uh, let's uh, R.A. Dickey, former Cy Young Award winner, another knuckleballer, took great care of his nails. So Dickey was with the Mets uh, at one point. And during a bullpen in pregame, he reached into a backpack to get ball and he caught his nail on his pitching hand on a zipper and it ripped (laughs) his nail down to the nail bed. So this is a big deal, obviously. This is how he makes his living. So he ran out of the stadium, still in a full Mets uniform. Well, you know, he probably had a BP jersey on, not a real jersey. But, you know, he's wearing probably, well, he had to have been wearing spikes. He was throwing a bullpen. Got his pants on and, and this. And he left the stadium and went directly to a nail salon in Queens where... Oh, God. Uh, I, I'm assuming that this was probably uh, City at that point, not not yeah. Shea. But regardless, they're both in Queens. And, and he asked the technician for an acrylic to cover his ripped nail. Now, he wasn't pitching that day, but they did essentially emergency surgery on his nail. Archie Bradley, when he was with the Diamondbacks, he was a regular at a local nail salon in Phoenix. As he relied on the nail to, he would dig in with it to give his curveball that extra rotation. So when when that got damaged, he had to he put an acrylic nail on it. Uh, another popular solution for pitchers is nail hardeners to to make sure that those nails don't don't break. Some use super glue as well. Super glue is used a lot in baseball. I know. Yes, it is. Uh, they'll just cover that nail with super glue or a blister. They'll just put super glue and like mm-hmm. every half inning they'll come in when they're not out there and just put super glue on it. Maybe more popular right now, maybe Gorilla Glue. After the whole hairstyling, well, you know, you can make your hair look really nice with that. There's some baseball players who you shouldn't trust around Gorilla Glue because they will use it for their hair. I'm just saying. <laughs> I would keep Larry Anderson away from it because not Oof. he wouldn't do anything with himself, but he would get some, no. you know, maybe line a toilet seat with it or something. <laughs> have some great idea for it. I guarantee it. Him and Charlie Kerfield would put something. To- yeah. Uh, but here's the thing. All right. All of this is illegal. All of it. Rule 6.02, subsection C7, we're we're drilling down in the rule book here, expressly forbids pitchers from attaching anything to their hands or fingers. That includes acrylic nails, band-aids, tape, or superglue. So Mm. all of this is illegal. But every article I read while I was reading up on this says that this is just, just like, you know, using, using sticky stuff. Uh, using uh, pine tar or anything like that. A lot of pitchers do it, and it's just accepted. And unless yeah. you are you have a vendetta or it's a, a super important game, usually nobody calls you out on it. Unless you're Michael Pineda and you just blatantly put 
you know, put it on your neck or your arm where you can see it clearly. Uh, I mean, this just happens. People do it and, and people rarely get called out because more than likely somebody on your team is doing it as well. But I just thought that was interesting. And this all stemmed from a picture. And I sent this to you via text, Mark, of, of Nolan Ryan back in 1968 in the Mets clubhouse, soaking his fingers in a little jar of pickle juice. And that led me down this this path. But I thought that was pretty interesting. Some of the things that pitchers do and batters in, in Alou and in Posada's case to make sure they don't get blisters or, or broken nails. Yeah, and I tell you what, the uh, delicatessen where Nolan Ryan's uh, favorite pickle juice was purchased, they tried to cash in on this fad by uh, selling Mets pitching juice, according to the <laughs> UPI. No, this is, I did not see this in any of the articles. This is interesting. Yeah, it uh, was, was one of Nolan Ryan's many forays into advertising. So how did a deli run out of pickle juice? And again, Nolan, just go to the the Wawa down the street and, and just buy some pickles. All right, so I got one more quick one before we get to Wax Packs Heroes here. And I want to talk about something that happened in 1995. And I've heard this story. I never really read up about it. I had heard about it and kind of knew what it was, but it's pretty interesting and, and a good short one to wrap up here. So in 1995, across the minor leagues, there was a, a strikeout domestic violence night. Great cause. I like it. Minor leagues always have these, uh, you know, theme nights, some of them serious like this one, some of them less so. But in 1995, across the minor leagues, uh, one night was was minor league strikeout domestic violence night. The Winston-Salem Warthogs traveled to Durham to take on the Bulls. OK, so Aaron Boone was on the Durham Bulls at this point, which that tells you what I mean, 95. I know Durham's been a, a Tampa Bay AAA club for a while, but Tampa Bay wasn't around at this point. So I think this was the Reds because I think that's who Boone came up with. Well, he hit a home run off of Warthogs pitcher Jason Coomerfelt. I don't know if he if he styled it around the bases, if he took too long, whatever. But Coomerfelt promptly hit the next batter. Now, he claimed after the game, as every pitcher always does, that he just didn't have control that night. He didn't the ball didn't feel right in his hands and whatever. But that did not go over well with the Bulls. And it got ugly, like real ugly. This was a there was a huge brawl. The bullpen that's had time to run in and still get in on it. It was it was a big, big brawl. Warthog's yeah. pitcher Glenn Cullop lost a couple of teeth and was knocked unconscious laying on the field by the pitcher's mound while players continued to brawl around him. Fans were fighting in the stands for some reason. Jeez. Did the Warthogs travel well? Like, did they have fans there? Or, like, was there a <laughs> pro-domestic violence group and they tangled with the anti-domestic violence crowd? Like, I don't... Why are, why are people fighting in the stands? I don't get it. But, That's very uh, strange. Yeah, regardless, the brawl delayed the game for 32 minutes. And when the dust finally settled, there were 124 games worth of suspensions handed out. I, I thought this was interesting. I mean, it's sad that it took place in, in domestic violence night, but it reminds me of a story. So beyond working in baseball, I've worked in, in every sport. I had to sit through a lot of NBA games, which is, you know, I don't love like basketball. I had to sit through some really bad Atlanta Hawks seasons, which is even worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And every, you know, being in Atlanta, every MLK Junior Day, the Hawks would have a home game. It would be in the middle of the day, regardless of the day of the week. They would bus kids in from school 
just like in baseball, you know, they have day games, especially in the minor leagues, and they just bus kids in and they, they spend a couple hours at the game. But there was an MLK Junior Day at the Hawks, and I was sitting courtside doing my job, and a fight broke out. <laughs> and this is a big fight, and like there were punches thrown, and uh, I had to run. I ran over because we still had rotational signs as opposed to LED signs by the benches, and I knew they weren't stable because a couple of the legs that held them up were broken. And so I could just see these heavy machines falling on somebody. And I run over there and these six foot, seven foot guys are fighting near these things. And I am over there trying to move, <laughs> to put myself between them <laughs> and these signs so nobody gets hurt. And the security guys all knew me. So they they came out and were trying to steer people away. Rick Mahorn was a was an assistant coach with the hawks at this point and uh he and i had joked around because he used to sit on these things all the time and i kept giving him crap about it so he kind of knew what was going on and he's i mean he's a huge guy and he's trying to get people to to move away and stuff but it just it's one of my uh, favorite memories is me this little guy in front of these trees fighting in front of these things but why do these things always seem to happen when they're like <laughs> when they're not supposed to, when you've got kids or it's a strikeout domestic violence night, but just a, a strange uh, and one of actually one of the worst fights in minor league baseball. Uh, there's no video of this. Well, actually, there is some some just was discovered like a year ago. And it's sad because in the video, you can actually see that pitcher color like just laying by the mound. He, he ended up being OK, but uh, mm-hmm. not a good night to do that. on. <laughs> Let's uh, let's wrap it up. Uh, we appreciate everybody's patience again. We, we work in baseball and we are both very busy this week. So getting ready for the season. So uh, this was kind of an easier show to do the uh, the the tales from the dugout. So we appreciate that. But Mark, it is now time for one of the most popular segments. It is time for Wax Packs Heroes. Last week, Mark, you came up with another win. The win total now stands 10 for myself, 16 for you. You're only four away from going back to back. So I really need to step it up here. But uh, are you set to uh, to open some old baseball cards? Yeah, I, uh, I'm prepped and ready, and uh, I got my thinking toque on. All right. Well, today we are going to, we're going to venture into actual wax packs with actual gum. So that tells you that it's definitely tops. And this should be right in our wheelhouse, 1989 tops. So uh, I got two packs here. I'm gonna let you choose whether you want the uh, one I'm in. I've got my left hand, or the one I've got my right hand. Let's go. Right has been good to me. Let's do it again. All right. I'm gonna have you go first as usual. If you're new here, or if you need a refresher, we've got a couple of rules. We are going to go by the Baseball Reference WAR of the year of the packs. So in this case, 1989 for each of these players. A couple of additional scoring rules that we have. If you are sporting a mustache, you're getting an extra tenth of a point of war. If it's a really good mustache, one that the ladies like, we're going to give you two tenths of a point of war. If you're wearing real stirrups that we can see, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point. But if they are the two-in-ones, we're going to minus a tenth of a point because the ladies do not like that. Uh, If you've got glasses on of any sort, whether they be flip-downs, whether they be science teacher's glasses or just shades we're gonna give you an extra tenth of a point for styling like that if you've got a sweatband with your caricature your jersey number or a mcdonald's logo on it we're gonna give you an extra tenth of a point 
And then finally, if you are a Hall of Famer, we are going to give you a whole point of war because you're in the Hall of Fame. Congratulations. All right. Congrats. Here, here, congrats. I'm sure that that's the, the biggest perk you get from being a Hall of Famer is getting a whole tenth of a point Absolutely. of war in Wax Packs Heroes. All right, here okay, we go. so we're doing 89 tops? 89 tops. Okay. There's a very special card in there. There's Craig Biggio tops rookie. All right. Well, we'll let's, for that. let's see what we get. So we're going to start off here with mainstay for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays throughout the late 80s, early 90s. Tough pitcher, good mustache, Dave Steve. Yeah, Dave Steve was, you know, the innings eater, and he would throw you great games. You know, there was just another name you may not have heard of if you casually follow baseball, but you should have because he was one of the best pitchers of his time. Innings eater is right. Led the league in innings pitched several times. Uh, won an ERA crown in 1985. In 1989, wow, great season. 17-8 and eight with a 3.35 ERA. Led the league in hit batters five times in his career, which that's impressive. Oh. Uh, 16 years in the big leagues. All of that equates to an ERA plus of 109, so that's not bad at all. And that equates to a war of 3.3. Very nice to start out with. Now, he has got... Uh, those are those definitely look like some two and ones there, but he's got a good mustache. So I'm going to give you a two tenths on the mustache. So that'll get you a three point four to start out with. Cool. And uh, look, he's pitching in Oakland in this, and he's got the pullover Blue Jays jersey in that in that powder blue. Uh, I'm a fan. All right, next card. Uh, here we go. A major league eating champion. Uh, also, just an incredible uh, good player. It's Howard Johnson. Hojo. Yeah, Hojo. Uh, I, I think he's really underrated. I really do think he's underrated. Uh, won a won two World Series. Of course, he won one with the Mets, but he came up with the Tigers. And in 1984, he won a World Series with Detroit, which I think I, th- I don't think we ever mentioned that about him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this guy was incredible. 1991 led the league in home runs and RBIs. Just a, a great player. 89, he led the league in runs scored. Slashed 287, 369, 559 for a 169 OPS plus. He was an all-star and a silver slugger that year and a war of 6.9. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Plus, he's got a mustache in this card. So that is an even seven for you right there. Very nice. Quite a year. Yeah. Hojo. Of course, we mentioned his his rib eating prowess. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> We've mentioned that before. He was actually the co-winner in 1985 with Dickie Thawne, who we've mentioned a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, he mm-hmm. elected not to defend this title in 1986, though. I'm wondering what went on there. What would lead him to say, you know what, I'm not going not gonna to do it? Quitting eating red meat probably had something to do with it. Yeah, I don't know. He seems like a meat eater. Maybe a diet of some sort. Who knows? Whatever. He just he should have done it. That's a great title to defend. <laughs> okay, next up is a pitcher for the Atlanta franchise. It's Joe Bover. Joe Boiver. Boiver? You said that. <laughs> Beaver? Baver. I'm sorry. I mispronounced that completely. There is no A in it. B-O-E-V-E-R, but the pronunciation is Baver. It's leave it to Baver. Well, his nickname is Baver the Saver. Despite having only 49 saves in 12 years, he did have 21, though, in 1989. This is his best year in the big leagues, I believe. He had 21 saves that year. 
And that equates for the saver to an war of 0.0. <laughs> so uh, uh, maybe well, not his best year. His best year save-wise, 82.1 innings pitched 78 hits. Wow, a whip of 1.3 for the closer. That's not good. 21 saves. So I guess not so good. He does have a mustache, though, so you are going to be saved for a, a tenth of a point there. or a, Yeah, a tenth of a war. Next card is catcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. This is a good-looking card uh, taken in the old Shea Stadium. It's Steve Lake. Steve Lake. Um, did he play for a long time, mostly backup? Steve Lake played for 11 years in the big leagues, all in the National League, Cubs, Phillies, Cardinals. Uh, 89, he was with the Phillies. Uh, appeared in 58 games. He had OPS plus of 84. That equates to a war of 0.5. So he had a higher war than uh, Baver the Saver that year. He's a catcher, so of course he's got real stirrups on it, and he's got a mustache. So that'll get you a plus 0.7 for uh, good old Stevie. So uh, Steve Lake has a classic 1991 studio baseball card. So do you remember this studio set where they would, they were black and white, and they would have uh, players in some odd situations doing odd things. Yep. Well, uh, Steve Lake, yep. if you remember, featured his pet bird named Ruffles sitting on his shoulder. Right. Wasn't it? I remember sure. that. I don't know. I don't have no idea what, a, what the bird is. But. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah, that's a classic card. So yeah, Steve Lake. All right. So that takes you up to 11.2. Next, you've got one of the great nicknames. It is Dennis oil can Boyd. Oh, one of our favorites. Yeah, of course, we've talked about oil can is uh, slang for beer in the South. Uh, oil can. Could, uh, Dennis could put him away pretty well. Yeah, oil can. So. Uh, let's see where he was born. He was born in Mississippi and went to Jackson State. 1989, he, it was his last year with the Red Sox, went three and two in limited action. All of that equates to a war of 0.4. Uh, he's got real stirrups and he's got a mustache in here. So that's good. So that'll get you a 0.6 addition there to bring you up to 11.8. Oil can has uh, got a bit of a, a legacy. Well, he comes from a, a legacy baseball family. Two of his uncles played in the Negro Leagues. One played, uh, KT Boyd played for the Kansas City Monarchs. And his uh, other uncle, Robert Boyd, played for the Kansas City Athletics of the Major Leagues and the Memphis Red Sox of the Negro Leagues. Wow. And his great-great-uncle played for the Homestead Grays. Wow. And he's related to Barry Larkin, who's his uh, father's first cousin. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's great. And uh, he in uh, 1985, he led All-American League pitchers and hits allowed with 273. <laughs> that's probably not not as yeah that's probably not his uh, highlight all right uh so you're at 11.8 next we've got one of the nasty boys rob dibble cincinnati reds yeah, not my favorite yeah i don't I, i'm not sure he's a whole lot of people's favorite i don't even think he's his mom's favorite uh nicknamed uh he was the original guy that was nicknamed nasty boy oh also nicknamed officer uh, probably is that why he threw the ball on the back of the cub that bunted or whoever that was? I think pretty sure that was right. him. Uh, 89, his second year in the big leagues, went 10 and 5 in 74 games. ERA plus of 173. Wow. The next year in 1990, he had an ERA plus of 229. That's incredible. Uh, 
1989, this led to a war of 3.9. Nothing on this card is going to get you anything else, but 3.9 for a reliever is a very, very nice uh, addition to your, your total. I will take it. All right, you got a Hall of Famer here. Congratulations, your first one. It is none other than Robin Yount. Robin Yount. Uh, Why did I say it like that? Because that's his name, Robin Yount. Yount. I say Robin Yount. Uh, let's see. Robin Yount. Yount is, uh, we've talked about his brother. His brother was Larry, right? Yep. Yeah. His brother's also his agent. Uh, also another one of those guys nicknamed the kid came up in 1974, played for 20 years in the big leagues. He was 33 years old in 1989. Get this. He slashed 318, 384, 511 for an OPS plus of 152. And he was named the American League MVP back when the Brewers were still in the AL. Spent all 20 wow. years of his career with the Milwaukee Brewers, and that is a war of 5.8. Of course, he's got a mustache, and he's a Hall of Famer, so that will bring you up to a 6.9 for Mr. Yount. Oh, Robin Yount, absolutely. Uh, if, had he played in New York or Los Angeles, be a household name. Oh, boy, yeah. He would have he been a, an absolute like legendary superstar. Also nicknamed yep. Rock and Robin. That makes sense. I just hope they didn't play that when he would come up to the to the plate. And I hope not. Nothing will fire a pitcher up like Rock and Robin. All right, next we've got catcher for the Cubs. I remember this guy uh, just you know coming home from school, turning on the Cubs game for the last couple innings. Gary Varsho, outfielder for the Cubs. Actually, for some reason, I was thinking he was a catcher. I don't remember much about Gary Varsho. Uh, Varsho played for eight years in the big leagues. Uh, not. Most games he appeared in was 103 and 92 with the Pirates. Maybe that's where I also remember him from. In 89, uh, not a great year, only his second in the big leagues. An OPS plus of 37, so that's not uh, that's not good. Uh, that leads to a war of minus 0.1. Nothing you're going to get on this card is going to help you out, so that's just a, a small nick there at minus 0.1. Thanks, Varsho. All right, next. Oh, this is one of our favorite guys. Traded twice for Ricky Henderson. He is here with the uh, Oakland Athletics. It is Eric Plunk. Eric Kerr Plunk. It's a good. It's a. It's a. It's a funny name for a pitcher to be named Plunk, just like Ball Four or Bob Walk. Yes, exactly. Uh, this picture here on Baseball Reference of Eric Plunk looks like he was not ready to be photographed. Uh, he looks like he's in the middle of asking a question. 1989, he, uh, of course, 89 was when Ricky was traded from New York back to Oakland. So Plunk, of course, was sent back to New York. So he's split time with the A's and the Yankees. Had an okay season this year. Uh, let's see, all of this equates to a war of, wow, 1.2 for Mr. Plunk. I will take that every day. Yeah, no, he, he had a mustache a lot of time, but not in this, uh, not in the picture here on the card. All right. Wow. Back to back A's. That's always good. Uh, I've, I don't remember Greg Cataray with a mustache, but he's got a really good one here. Uh, so you've got Greg Cataray here from the A's. Man, I don't remember him coming up very often. He uh, played a while. He saved a few games, didn't he? Let's see. I don't I don't think he saved a whole lot. He appeared in the big leagues for 14 uh, for I'm sorry, for 10 years with 14 saves. He would just pick up uh, two or three a season. Not a whole lot. Yeah. He also yeah. went to New York in that Ricky Henderson deal in 89. So he like that's weird to have teammates that were both traded from Oakland for Ricky Henderson in the same pack back to back. 
ER, I'm yeah. sorry, war-wise for him, he ended up with a plus 0.3, but I'm going to give you a two-tenths of a mustache point there, so that'll be a plus 0.5, and that'll bring you up to 24.2. All right, next you've got a Cleveland Leaders card. So uh, this looks like, boy, I don't, oh, I think it's Brooke Jacoby. I'm fairly certain that that's who it is. Let's look it up. That would make sense. I'm pretty proud of myself for pulling that out before I looked it up. Not bad. Brooke Wallace Jacoby, 1989 with Cleveland, was in there almost every day, slash 272, 348, 416 for 114 OPS plus. That is a 3.3 war. He has got real stirrups on as well, so that'll be a 3.4. Wow. Yeah, this is a good pack for you. uh, 32 home runs in 1987. Never got above 20 other than that. Uh, let's see. Jacoby spent a year, I think, in Japan in 1993. Beyond that, not a, not a whole lot to mention. All right. Wow. Back-to-back leaders cards, too, for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I can only tell who one of these guys is, and that's because his back is to me and I can see his name. Taken in the big A, it is Mike Heath on this leaders card. <laughs> Mike, we've talked about Mike Heath a number of times. Didn't he teach you how to play hearts or spades or something? Spades, yeah, he took me under his wing and taught me how to play clubhouse spades. Good guy, you know. He wasn't the prototypical giant catcher guy, um, but he was a tough dude. 5'11". He's the same height as I am. Uh, 1989, appeared in 122 games, both 89 and 90. He was their main catcher for Detroit. Ended up with a 98 OPS plus and a 2.7 war. Now, also included in this card... I'm not sure that might, it looks like it's Alan Trammell. Uh, now this is going to be hard because I'm pretty sure that's Alan Trammell right next to him. And we generally, yeah, we generally give you anybody that we can see on this card. Yeah. So for Heath, that you're going to get a 2.7. Now we got to look up Alan Trammell as well. So Trammell, obviously a Hall of Famer in 89, uh, not a great year, 85 OPS plus. Uh, so not one of his better seasons. Uh, he's good defensively, though. 3.7 war. And he's got flip-down sunglasses. So that will be a 4.8 on top of the 2.7 for you there. So that's a big card. Those leader cards are really a good uh, good way to kind of bulk up your score there. Man, that, I guess so. Wow, that takes you up to a 35.1 with three cards Ooh. left. That. That might be a record already. All right, next, this is the epitome of science teacher glasses, and I don't know who this is. From the Angels, <laughs> it's pitcher Sherman Corbett. He looks like he's 48 years old and retired. Sherman Corbett, yeah, I've, I've drawn a blank on that one, too. <laughs> it's a funny-looking card. Sherman Corbett played for three uh, years in the big leagues, all of which were with the Angels. Uh, most sure of that's it, not Jim Cornette. <laughs> that's a good call right there. If he was <laughs> holding Jim a Cornette. tennis racket and was ringside, that would be a really good call. Uh, 88 was his first year and obviously his best. He only appeared in four games in 89, uh, but had an ERA plus of 122. But I'm not sure that's going to equate to a lot of war. Just point one. But those glasses are definitely a point one. So you're going to get a point two out of that uh, for Sherman Corbett. Those glasses belong in the hall, I think. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, g- congrats for Sherman. I mean, he's uh, he's made it to Go the Sherm. big leagues. 
All right, next you have got a good pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals, Todd Worrell. Todd, we are the Worrell. Uh, yeah, he was solid. Let's see, Todd Worrell, brother, of course, of Tim Worrell, also a very good pitcher. In 89, he was with the Cards, 3-5, and five, ended up with an ERA plus of 123. That's a nice one. That equates wow. to a war of only point one. Uh, I don't think he's got a mustache there. No, nothing, nothing else going on there. So that'll just get you a point one. All right, your last card. This is very apropos. One because we mentioned him earlier in in the the podcast here, and he's your favorite player. It's Spike Owen. Spike, I hit Spike. <laughs> you you hit a Red Sox Spike Owen eighty nine tops. <laughs> That should be bonus points. <laughs> Let's Some see. Tracks. I don't know. So 89, he's pictured here with the Red Sox, but 89 was his first year with the Expos. Uh, OPS plus of 96. That equates to a war of 0.5. He's got real stirrups on, though, so that'll get you a 0.6. And that will bring your total up to a 36 even. That's impressive. Wow. That's, a, that's a good I score. I got no problem with that. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be really hard to beat. All right, my uh, guess of Spike Owen having one home run during a season the most times, uh, I think I'm wrong because he only did it three times. And I also already told you that that was actually not. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking answer. over his numbers. He hit 46 career home runs. I shouldn't be picking on the guy. And he's a Mariner team captain, the only one in team history. All right, whatever. So let's jump into my pack here. Let's see. Wow, we got two complete sticks of gum between the two of us. Nice. Uh, which is nice. All right. Oh, well, this is very good. This can make one of our, our uh, regular listeners and very talented uh, artist, Mighty Lark, very happy because I'm starting off with a Hall of Famer, his favorite player, Ozzy Smith. Oh, the great Ozzy Smith, the wizard himself. Do you think that there is a player today that uh, management would let do a backflip uh, as they took the field every now and then? Um, only if they're trying to get rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Especially on turf, too. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, uh, Ozzy, of course, a Hall of Famer. 89, he was an all-star. He was a gold glover. Uh, you know, Ozzy was not particularly known for his bat. Uh, only had an OPS plus of 97, so just about average in 1989. But with all of that defense, a 7.3 war. Of course, he's got a mustache. And of course, he's a Hall of Famer. So I'm going to start out with an 8.4 for my first card. Ooh. That's a that's a good start. You had a great pack, but I, I'm straight off to a good start. Of course, Ozzy Smith, remember, took over in uh, as the host of This Week in Baseball. For a couple of years after Mel Allen passed away, that's right. And uh, we played we played an Ozzy Smith home run clip just a couple of uh, weeks ago when we were doing great home run calls and Jack Buck's "Go Crazy Folks, Go Crazy" home run right, that yeah. he hit in '85 in the uh, NLCS. The Wizard of Oz. All right. Next we get oh here's an A's pitcher, but here he is on the Mariners. It is Mike Moore. Yeah, I remember Mike Moore with the Mariners. He uh, he was a lot better for the A's, I think. <laughs> uh, let's see. Mike Moore spent uh, 14 years in the big leagues. 1989, he actually did spend with Oakland. It was his first year. He was an all-star, had a record of 19-11, and 11, and an ERA plus of 142, so I'm expecting big things here. War of 3.2. Nothing else on the card is going to get me anything. But uh, after two cards, I'm already up to 11.6. Wow. So uh, I'll take that. All right. And uh, my next card 
is another Hall of Famer. Two of the first three cards are Hall of Famers. It is none other than Michael Jackson Schmidt. Oh, man, you're going to get good, good numbers out of him, too. I would imagine. Let's see. Schmidt in 1989. This was his final year in the big leagues. So that'll tell you something. Uh, remember, he retired halfway through the season. Just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. In tears, I remember. Yeah, I remember that. I remember watching it and, and tearing up because you just see how much he loved playing baseball. Yeah, I mean, he and was he was crying during the press conference. He didn't he didn't want to go. He thought he wasn't helping his team and stuff like that. And I'm like, dude, you got like 28 RBIs in 42 games. What, what? Maybe you're not hitting, you know, 250, but he still had a bat. I don't know. He, he had very high expectations of himself, and when he couldn't meet those, he said, "I'm done." So yeah. good for him. I mean, he was 39 at the time, but I, I agree. I, mm-hmm. I, I, he did it because he just felt he he was not helping anybody anymore. Uh, still had an OPS plus of 91, though, not bad. And he was voted into the All Star game, uh, even though he had retired at that point. All of this equates to a WAR of minus 0.4. Unfortunately, um, Michael Jackson Smith, though, of course, always had a great mustache, and he is yes. a Hall of Famer. So that is going to let's see. I got to do math here. So that would be a 1.2 minus 4. So that so that'll actually get me a plus 0.8 there for Michael Schmidt. But I I just posted uh, a week or so ago a great I found an old Chevy commercial with him where he's selling a Chevy truck. Uh, huh. very not not rapping, you know, like a Brett Saberhagen, but a, a very good fun ad to see him do that. All right, next I have got a uh, I believe he was an outfielder. Oh, he's an infielder, I'm sorry, for the uh, Dodgers. It's Dave Anderson. Dave Anderson. Don't remember a whole lot about him. Did he play very much? Uh, so Dave Anderson, he was kind of a utility infielder. Uh, let's okay, see. In, in uh, 89, he only appeared in 87 games. Had a 67 OPS+. plus. Uh, let's see. Anderson with a .3 uh, OPS+. Plus, and nothing on this card is going to get me anything else. But at least I've headed in the the right direction there. Okay, so this is kind of interesting. So I, I believe we've talked about this maybe once or twice, the uh, 1988 playoffs, uh, not playoffs, World Series, where Kurt Gibson, of course, homers off of Dennis Eckersley in game one for the original walk-off. Uh, Dave Anderson was originally stuck on deck as a decoy for Kurt Gibson. So Kurt Gibson didn't come up until... You know, he was ready to go out there. Kirk Gibson was on was actually out there, or not Kirk Gibson. Uh, Dave Anderson was actually out there on the on-deck circle to try and make Tony Russa think that he was going to be the pinch hitter. That's funny. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Next, uh, not a Hall of Famer, but this is a, just a great card. It's Charlie Huff. Knuckleballer. Charlie Huff. I don't think Charlie Huff would have an acrylic nail at any point, even though he was a knuckleballer. Nah. He's too old school. He probably did the uh, the the Moses Moses Alou pickle juice rather than the pickle brine. Probably on accident. You know, when you get to that age, it's just hard to aim anymore. All right, let's see. 1989. He was only 41 years old at this point. Uh, still yeah. had another five full years in the big leagues after this. Oh, <laughs> Went wow. 10 and three. Uh, led the league in home runs given up with 28. So mm, uh, what happened? With- yeah, let's see what that uh, that all equals. A war of plus point one, or I'm sorry, one point oh, actually. So, oh wow! Yeah, I'll I'll take that. No, nothing else in that card's going to get me anything else. But man, Charlie Huff was around forever. Remember, he pitched the first game in Marlins history as well. 
That's right. And, wow. Uh, yeah. 216 career wins, 86 on the all-time charts for uh, Charlie Huff. <laughs> Next, oh, this was my favorite relief pitcher in uh, on the A's. It's Gino, Gene Nelson. Gene Nelson. I remember him. You would remember him much better than I would, though. Uh, he was just nails, man. He was that seventh or eighth inning guy. It was either him or Honeycutt, depending on whether there was lefties or righties, leading up. I mean, he would be the setup guy for Eckersley. Always a great, great mustache. Remember? Oh, I, yeah. Thinking about him, that guy had a stash and a half. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I was probably 90. Uh, he got injured, or maybe it was 91, it looks like, from the stats here. He was injured at the beginning of the season of foul ball in the dugout. And he was sitting in the dugout because the bullpen's awful in Oakland and got hit by a foul ball and missed some time. But in uh, 89, 3.26 ERA, 50 games pitched, 114 ERA plus. That equals a war of 0.6. He has got, of course, a 0.2 mustache. And he's actually got real stirrups on. I was expecting two and ones. But uh, that'll get me a 0.9 out of that for Gino. My, my man coming through. He always had the long hair, too. I just really, yes. really liked him. Okay, next uh, we get a pitcher for the Baltimore Orioles, Jose Batista. Batista, yeah, he was with the Orioles back then. Yeah, um, decent pitcher. You know, there's just so many Batistas in baseball. I have a hard time keeping them straight. That is a very, very common name for, uh, for baseball players. Let's see. Uh, and in fact, I... Now this is not Jose. <laughs> this is not Jose Batista of uh, Blue Jays fame, by the way, uh, which is who I pulled up automatically. Nineteen eighty nine, he was with Baltimore, appeared in fifteen games, started ten, had a record of three and four with a five point three one ERA. All of that equates to a WAR of minus point three. He's got real stirrups though, so I'll only take a little bit of a hit there. Minus point two. Okay, next card is uh, left-hander for the Cardinals. It's Greg Matthews. Greg Matthews. Kind of drawing a blank here. Yeah, I don't remember a whole lot about Matthews. Not that I'm a big Cardinals guy, but Greg Matthews, five years in the big leagues, four of them with the Cardinals. Uh, 89, though, he was injured and did not play. So that's no help. And there is nothing on this card that's going to get me anything. So that is a straight-up wash for me. Boo, boo. Okay, next I've got a leader's card. This is from the Red Sox. Now, this is going to be interesting because Dewey Evans is at the plate against Oakland with Terry Steinbach right there. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So these leader cards have proven to be big point gainers. So let's look up Dwight Evans first. You know, a borderline one of those guys that maybe should be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dewey is was 37 and 89 slash 285, 397, 463 for an OPS plus of 136. That equals a war of 3.0. Good mustache. I'm just going to give myself a tenth of a point there. But then let's look up my boy, Terry Steinbach. Of course, my favorite catcher of all time. Let's see. 1989, Terry Steinbach back to back years as an all star. Of course, this was right. 89. Good year for the A's. Anybody involved with the A's? Slash 273, 319, 353. OPS plus of 92. He was a decent uh, defensive catcher. Ended up with a war of 0.7. So I was hoping for a little bit more out of that, but that'll get me 3.8 total. 
between Dewey and Steiny. Brings me up to 18.2. Next, we've had this guy before. This is a good-looking card, though, because he's a lefty. He's in the middle of his motion, and uh, he has got some puffed-out cheeks. It's Neil Heaton here with the Expos. Ah, Heaton. Don't I remember him as a pirate? I believe you do, because I think that's usually what we draw him as. Uh, let's see, he's three years for Pittsburgh, three years for Cleveland, and then just uh, single years at a bunch of other teams. In 89 was his first year with the Pirates, went six and seven, ended up with a 110 ERA plus. That equals a 1.6 war. He's got real stirrups and he's got a mustache, so that'll get me 1.8. And that will bring me up to 20 even with a handful of cards left. This one... We're coming down to the wire here uh, on this one. Next, we've got a picture for the California Angels. We had him last week. We know very little about him. We came up with several nicknames for him. It's Jack Lazorco. Oh, yes. We did have a nice chat about Mr. Lazorco, didn't we? We came up with Laser or just Zorco, uh, none of which were his actual nicknames. Uh, but uh, Google automatically fills it in for me because I have typed in before. Uh, Jack Lazorko in 1989 was actually out of, well, he might not have been out of Major League Baseball, or out of baseball, but he was out of Major League Baseball. Uh, in 89, he played the entire season in Edmonton in the AAA League. Then uh, he went to Calgary in 90, and then uh, he played Norfolk in 93. But uh, not going to get anything from this card, uh, long story hmm. short, so... Suck it, Lozarco. Uh, next, we've got pitcher for Cleveland. It's Scott Bales. Scott, I do remember that name. Man, what was that? There was something about him. Uh, let's see. So Scott Bales pitched for nine seasons total in the big leagues. He had a three-year break in the mid-90s. But in 89, he was on Cleveland, went 5-9, and nine, appeared in 34 games, had a couple of starts, 93 ERA+. Plus. And that equals a war of 0.9. Nothing on this card is going to get me anything else. So that will bring me up to 20.9. I've got three cards left. And I've got about, uh, let's see, 9.1 points of war I need to catch up with. Uh, This guy was around for a long time. I remember him most with the Cardinals. Here he is with the Dodgers. It's John Tudor. Yeah, I remember him as a Cardinal starting pitcher. Let's see. John Tudor played for 12 years in the big leagues. Five years with St. Louis, five years with Boston. In 89 was his second year with L.A. Only appeared in six games, got three starts. Uh, in 85, he led the league in shutouts with 10. And as a starter, had a whip of .938. Came in second Ow. in the Cy Young Award that year. But that doesn't help That's me a amazing. whole lot. Uh, war of .2. He's got real stirrups on, so that'll get me a .3. Not a whole lot uh, for for John Tudor, but uh, some wow, a pretty impressive career though. All right, my second to last card is pitcher for the Cubs, Al Nipper. Oh sure, I think I remember Nipper with the Red Sox as well. Was Nipper Red? Yeah, he was. You're right. Yeah, he came up with the Sox. He spent five years with them, and then one year with Cleveland, and one year with Chicago. Uh, Unfortunately. Uh, 89 was his gap year between Chicago and Cleveland, where he did not play in the big leagues. Uh, Lucky you. Yeah, he's got a mustache, though, so I'll get a whole tenth of a point there, Al. Thanks a lot, Mr. Nipper. And my last card, of of which I need about eight and a half war out of, and I don't think I'm going to get it, 
It is none other than uh, the Cuban sensation, Arrestas Destrada. Arrestas Destrada. Man, how do you spell that? As it sounds. Arrestas uh, <laughs> D-E-S trade. Des trade, yep. Arrestas uh, only played for four years in the big leagues. Uh, I remember he was on those early Marlins teams. Of course, one of those years uh, that he didn't play was 1989. So I'm not going to get any points from the war. He does have some good glasses on, though, and he's got real stirrups. So that'll get me point two. But that'll only get me to uh, 21.5. So uh, that's not a bad pack. But you, unfortunately, had a really good pack. Oh, you were at 36. I was thinking you were at 30 for some reason. So you blew me out of the water by 15 points of war. Wow. That's not good. That'll bring your win total up to 17. I'm stuck at 10 still. And uh, I'm floundering as you cruise towards a back-to-back championship. So congratulations. Well, some injuries. Yeah, I, I have had. My fingers have been a little raw flipping through these cards. All right. So that'll uh, wrap up this uh, episode of uh, Two Strike Noise. It also... That'll wrap up this edition of Wax Packs Heroes. It's also going to wrap up this episode of Two Strike Noise. So uh, let's start to wind it down. Remind you that if you want to follow us on social media or get a hold of us on social media, you can do so at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise. On both Twitter and Instagram, a lot of you have been doing that recently, and we appreciate it. We've also gotten some emails at our email account. Mark, do you want to tell them where that is? Sure. You can write to us at Two Strike Noise. Spell it out, T-W-O, strike noise at gmail.com. All right. Well, Mark, that'll uh, that'll do it. I know we're both going to be really busy this week. I'm sure everybody's excited to get the regular season underway. We'll see how uh, how we go next week. I know you're going to be working most of the, the week for the homestand, and I've got a whole bunch of teams that are opening up uh, this <laughs> this week, and we've got a brand new scoring system we're uh, putting out there. So oh boy. it'll be a lot of fun. About to get crazy. Yeah, but uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us again for another episode. We really do appreciate it. We appreciate the support. And uh, we will see you, hopefully, again next week on another episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.